Now, this is going to be when is the best time to prepare for something. Is it before? Whoa, whoa, whoa. They do this in a one all the time. Before, during, or after. Okay, so you guys have heard. I'm going to start with the, th the three people I had to just drag and pull up here, okay? So, Tristan, when is the best time to prepare? If you hear that there is a major storm coming right through Palevna, when's the best time to prepare for it? Before it happens? During the middle of it or after? Are you sure? Okay, well, that was a sucker here, guys. Hey. Weston, you go to school every day, right? Do you ever have tests? Okay, if you're going to have a test at school, when's the best time to prepare for it? Before the test, during the test, or after the test? Really? Wow, that's amazing. I got I, two more suckers if somebody wants them. Okay, so this is going to get more tricky. Whoops. Okay, you have a basketball game coming up. Okay? You don't like basketball? Okay. If you have a basketball game, game coming up, when's the best time to prepare for it? Before the game starts, during the game, or after the game? Before the game starts? These kids are brilliant. Okay, Blaine. You're going to grow up, or maybe you can give some advice to some people who might be uh, in this situation someday. You're going to go to a job interview. When's the best time to prepare for this job interview? Before the job interview, during the job interview, or after the job interview? Really? Wow, that's great. Okay, it's worth a sucker. Boy, anybody else? Okay, now, this is going to get a little bit more tricky. Um, if you don't prepare for the storm that's coming, what could happen? If you, if you don't prepare for the storm before it gets here, you might get hurt, okay? You might get lost out in the snow, right? If it's a snowstorm, you might be, you might die, right? Because some people get out in their car and they're, they're driving, they don't realize it's coming, and they, their car gets swept away, right? You can have a bad experience, right, if you don't prepare. Because when's the best time to prepare? Before the storm, okay. Okay, Caleb. So we're going to talk about this uh, test at school. What can happen if you do not prepare for a test in school? Hopefully we don't find this out there. You might get an F, right? You might flunk it. You might get lucky and be able to pass it, but normally if you don't study, you don't prepare, you're going to fail it. Okay, who wants another sucker? Okay, I'm going to with these two people. I, you, I know you guys didn't raise your hands. Well, well, yeah, because I only have two more. Come on, somebody else come up here and help me out. Okay, um, what can happen if I don't prepare for a basketball game? Who's the first? Yeah, what? Okay, what can happen if I don't prepare for a basketball game? You may not be able to shoot. You may not be able to run because you're not in shape, right? And you, you're probably going to reap something bad, a bad side effect. Okay, what happens if you do not prepare for a job interview? What could happen? Right, if you show up late for a job interview and you're not really ready and it's really obvious to the guy interviewing you, you're probably not going to get the job. I mean, some people can wing it, but I doubt every single person who won it got the job, right? That's the, that's the, the, the you guys, okay, there, there you go, good job, thank you very much. You guys get the idea. If you're going to have a basketball game, if, you're, if there's storms coming, 
Uh, if you're going to take a test, you need to prepare before these things happen, right? Very, very simple. And we understand that uh, for every situation in life. Before a test comes, I need to be prepared. But we also need to think about this in terms of how does it relate to being prepared as far as God goes. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking for at today. We're going to be looking at those who are unprepared uh, to face trials. We're going to be looking at somebody who is prepared to face a trial. And we're going to look at how did it turn out for both people, right? The person who was unprepared and the person who was prepared. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at how are we to be prepared, and if we could ask the, answer the question ourselves, if we are truly prepared ourselves. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the fun even we can have in church with candy and with kids. Uh, and I just thank you, God, that you're with us. God, I really do pray that you would help me to share your word accurately and clearly, that you'd help each of us to understand the importance of being prepared because we're going to face trials in our life that we don't know are, that are coming. And we need to do the work to be prepared before those times get here. Please give me your clarity of speech and give us all here ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you look at the back of your bulletin, sorry, this is not worth a sucker if you happen to fill it out. Uh, but it has a little outline of what we're going to be looking at. The first thing we're going to see is that the disciples of Jesus will be tested. Okay, the first thing, disciples of Jesus will be tested. We're going to be in chapter, uh, Luke Chapter 22, verses 31 to 62. So it sounds like an awful lot of what we're going to get through, but believe me, it's not going to take that long the way we're going to do this. So uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 62. First thing is that disciples of Jesus will be tested. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prepared for I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me uh, three times that you know me. Okay, so catch us up to speed here, uh, because last week we looked at the Lord's Supper. We talked about this little juice represents Jesus' blood. This little bread represents Jesus' body. Jesus has celebrated this with the disciples. Right after that time, one disciple leaves. Anybody know who that was? Judas. He left to go and betray Jesus, which we looked at last week. So when Jesus is saying this, he's only talking to 11 of his disciples. And if you look at, uh, you put the Gospels together, you get the whole complete story. Because Luke doesn't say anything about Ju uh, Judas leaving at that point. But you look at the others, you get the whole story. Um, so he's out of there. He's not involved in this at all. So Jesus is only talking to the 11 disciples. And Jesus, when he's saying, uh, when I'm telling you that the disciples of Jesus are going to be tested, what you see here is you just see Peter. It looks like only Peter's going to go through some kind of testing. You go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. This is what Jesus says to all 11 of the disciples. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me, this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Okay, so when Jesus is saying there's this time of testing, he is not just talking to Peter. He's talking to all 11 of the disciples. The reason Peter kind of gets picked on is because Peter is the one who opens his mouth and says, you know what, it is not going to be me. It is going to be anybody else, but I'm going to go with you to death or to 
uh, to prison. Whatever it takes, I'm going to stand by your side. And because he's willing to do that, Jesus says, you know what, I'm telling you specifically, Peter, this is what you are going to do. Everybody else is going to flee when they're tested, but you specifically are going to deny that you know me three times, which we'll look at in a little bit and see that Peter, in fact, really did. So you have all 11 being tested. You have Peter himself getting specifically told how he will be tested, but there is somebody else who's going to be tested or going to be tempted. Anybody have any idea who that is? Jesus, right? Jesus. Now, obviously, Jesus is not one of the disciples, but Jesus is a picture of how the disciples should have handled the testing that they were to face. Jesus has faced testings. He has faced temptations in his life. If you go back to Luke chapter 4, you find out the story about him going into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days uh, by, by the devil, with tempting with the desire to eat food, uh, with, with showing off his power, and he resists that temptation. So Jesus has been tempted, and he's going to be tested one more time. They were tested. Guess what you have to know is that you and I are going to be tested. And it could be from any number of sources, any number of people. It might be your friends that test you. It might be your coworkers. It might be your family members. It might be your neighbors. It might even be what you would expect, the, the enemies that you might have in your life. You just don't know who and you just don't know when. You might be that lucky person. They say and says, you know what? I'm going to pick on Connie today. I'm going to pick on Steve today. I'm going to pick on Todd today. And say, I'm going after these people uh, specifically. Because you guys know in the Old Testament, Job, he was a recipient of that kind of treatment from Satan, right? And he, we looked at even last week where he had everything taken away from him. He even had his whole body inflicted with sores because Satan wanted specifically to test him. And you know, in the New Testament, Peter it says Satan has specifically asked to, uh, to, to sift you like wheat, and that might be you this week. And so we're going to have to look and see, well, wait a second, if it might be me, what do I do about that? How do I get prepared? But you just don't know. It's just something you know every believer in Christ is going to be, uh, is going to face some kind of testing in their life. Um, so you will be tested. It might be your place of employment. It might be when you are at high school this week. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They will be tested. They will be tempted to give in. Uh, and that could be just the fact of denying Jesus or being ashamed of Jesus, or it can be just any kind of temptation whatsoever. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that uh, no temptation has seized you except with except what is common to man. Okay, so everybody is going to face temptation. And it's the same kind of temptation that somewhere, somewhere else around this world is going to be facing. But you will be tested. You will be tempted. And if you're going to be tempted, you need to be prepared. Now we're going to look at two different uh, avenues of being prepared. Jesus talks to the disciples about being physically prepared. But then he also talks about being prayerfully pre prepared. And that's where the majority of the preparation needs to come from. But I want to talk about this being uh, physically prepared because Jesus, or, or Luke, writes about this in, this in this passage. And it leads to some interesting discussions. So they need to be physically prepared for when they get sent out to when they go to serve Jesus. So Luke chapter 22, verses 35 to 38. And he said to them, When I sent you out with, 
When I sent you without money, a money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you, that which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, look, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Which is kind of funny when you think about uh, how quickly they were thinking, we have the physical needs that we need taken care of. And they major on that, right? They immediately they grab these two swords. And if you know the rest of the story or the rest of the Bible history, you know that when they get to the garden, which we're going to look at, they, they have their swords and they try to use them. And, and so they're, they're aiming at uh, being physically prepared. You know that Judas, or Judas goes and betrays Jesus. You know that Peter takes the sword and he starts hacking away. And if you look in the book of John, you find that the name of the servant, Malchus, the servant of the high priest, he was able to cut off his right ear. And so you know that when Jesus is saying, I want you to be physically prepared, even taking a sword, he's not saying, I want you to take this to be on the offensive because I want you to defend me. He says, I don't, I don't need that because, you know, immediately Jesus cleans off that ear, he sticks it back on, and he heals the guy. Yeah, Nicole's got the right look like, ick. And, you know, if you've watched the movies, you see there's still blood there, but the ear is permanently fixed right there because Jesus has put it back there. He's not talking about using the sword for that reason. Uh, and, and I think it's in John, he says, wait a second. You know what? I could have called 12 legions of angels, Peter, if I was really concerned. That's 72,000 angels. If I really wanted to defend myself this way, I don't even need you, right? I have angels waiting who are chomping at the bench, dying to get down here to disperse all these people. So he's not talking about making sure that they're able to defend Jesus. I think what he's saying is, look, you guys, from this point on, I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross, and then I'm going up to heaven and I'm going to come back, I'm going to be here off and on for 40 days, but you guys are out on your own. You guys got to make sure that you are prepared so when you go out into the big bad world, you can uh, protect yourselves. Like having a sword, they weren't supposed to be on the offensive to attack people, but they were, I think, supposed to be able to defend themselves because self-defense is not a sin. It's okay to defend yourself. Uh, there's going to be band-aids. There's going to be wild animals. There might be brush that they have to walk through, right? It was okay, but he says, make sure that you are prepared. Now, that's, uh, that's a, it's a very good thing that they're going to need to do because they're going to go out kind of into the unknown. They're going to be in life and death situations. You know, uh, they're going to go out, and Jesus is not expecting them to go out empty-handed. You know, even missionaries today, how many, does anybody know of a missionary who God called him in the middle of the night, or it called him just immediately to just leave right now and go to Africa and be a missionary with no support and with no means of any, any financial support of any kind? I've never known a missionary where God said, hey, you know what, Sharon, I want you to go to Africa on a boat tonight or an airplane and then go and serve and go figure it out which he could do that. God could do that to somebody, but for the majority, we have missionaries, and we support them. They run around to different churches, and they raise support, so when they get there, they don't have to try to do both. They don't have to try to live in one place and try to work and try to uh, share the gospel all at the same time. They can focus just on sharing Christ with people. So I'm thinking it's okay to go and make sure they're physically prepared if they're going to go out and be a missionary. 
Now, I don't really expect or think that anybody in here, at least not today, is going to go get in an airplane and fly to another country. I haven't heard anybody saying, I feel like God's leading me that way. Kids, you're too young. If God calls you to do that, you're going to have to wait till you graduate, right? So we need to make sure that we are still physically prepared in some way. And so I'm going to call this being spiritually prepared. Make sure we are spiritually prepared uh, to de defend ourselves, to de spiritually prepared uh, to, to defend Jesus. If we're spiritually prepared, when we get to our place of employment, you know, somebody might test you and say, you know what, Scott, why do you believe in the Bible? Or why do you believe in Jesus? What makes you a Christian? Uh, when you're at school, Chloe, someone might be bringing up some kind of topic. Yeah, don't you love it when I pick on you like this? Uh, some, some discussion about God or what the Bible teaches. And Chloe might be in a classroom where this is getting discussed and, and she's going to have to be prepared to give an answer. Uh, you know, if 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. That doesn't mean you have to be able to defend every possible question that someone might have to, uh, that they might ask you. You just have to be able to say, this is what I know about Jesus, and this is why I believe it. This is why I'm a Christian. Can you tell somebody what, what gives you hope? What gives you this desire to have eternal life? Uh, you know, back to Chloe, God's not expecting her to know every single possible answer. Uh, I, I, it's going to take coming home and studying and reading a little bit. Um, but if, if what I would encourage you to do, and what I, encourage, what I try to do myself, is just keep reading the Bible. Just keep reading the Bible because God is, that's how he speaks to us. He brings those verses to mind. So Chloe all of a sudden knows the answer that she needs to say because she's read the Bible and she's read the Bible in order to defend herself. But, but you also know, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, when you face everyday trials, everyday kind of temptations, because everybody is going to face them. We need to make sure that we know how to deal with that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You know that every kind of temptation we face, someone else is going to face or has faced, but you know that God's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's always going to be a way out. We need to be prepared so that we're looking for that way out, so that we flee that temptation instead of giving into it. So we need to be physically prepared. We need to be spiritually prepared. We need to make sure we have read our Bibles. We need to make sure we're ready to give an answer for the, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Anybody here feel like you feel prepared, at least quasi for some of that, for one of those things? What? He's asking me a question. <laughs> yes, I, I hope that you feel prepared if someone was to come and ask you that. But that's not enough. You might know every answer. You might be able to give every defense. Uh, but if you're not prayerfully prepared, you're not going to handle the situation correctly. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. I want to talk about being prayerfully prepared because this is what Jesus really wants these guys to do to make sure that they're ready for the temptations that they're going to face. Verses 40, uh, verses 39 to 46. I'm going, I'm going to start with just a couple verses. It says, coming out... He went to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. What did Jesus want his disciples to do? Pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation. He says, I don't want you guys relying on your own strength. Peter's already cocky. Peter already thinks, I'm going to the death with you, Jesus. He has no idea what's coming and how he's going to have to prove this faith that he thinks that he has. 
And Jesus makes sure that he is prepared. Verses 41 to 46 or so. And he says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. So Jesus said, you guys need to pray, and I'm going to go off and pray. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus, he went off and he prayed. And it said he was in agony. It says that it was like sweat was like drops of, or was like, blood was like drops of whatever. It was sweating, but it was like drops of blood. You know if you ever cut yourself and it goes drip, 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 drip? That's kind of how it was with the sweat coming down off his body. Or it was a condition that maybe some of you medical people might know that I didn't know. I had to look it up. But a condition known as hematidrosis, which means tiny blood vessels and sweat glands burst when a person is under constant stress, which produces a mixture of blood and water, which sounds like exactly what Jesus was going through. So maybe he did have blood falling from his, from his head, from his body because he was sweating because it was such a stressful situation that he was going to go through. But the point that I want to focus on, the point that I want to make, is that Jesus prepared himself by, for what he was going to go through by praying. He, he prepared himself by praying. He says, disciples, this is what you need to do, and this is what I'm going to do so that I am prepared as well. Well, the disciples, you probably know, they didn't do such a hot idea. They didn't do such a hot deal at this. Um, if, if you know the story, uh, here it says in verse 40, he says, pray that you may not enter the temptation. So that's the first time he's saying this. And then uh, verses four, 45 and 46, he says, when he rose up from his prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, if you look at Matthew, you find that Jesus, here's kind of how it works. Jesus says, look, you guys need to pray that you don't enter into temptation. And then Jesus leaves and he prays. He comes back, he wakes these guys up and says, look, you guys need to pray so that you can handle what is coming. He goes off and he prays. He comes back and they're sleeping. He just leaves them alone. And then he goes and prays and then he comes back and says, look, guys, my time of testing is here. The, the, this, the, uh, the guy who's going to betray me, it, the hour's at hand. So we, we got to go take care of business. Uh, fortunately for us, Jesus was prepared for what he was going to go through. We need, to make, we need to make sure that we need to be prayerfully prepared as well, that we are not relying on our own strength for what is going to surprise us and hit us out of the blue that we are not expecting. We need, we need to make sure that we are prayerfully prepared so that when we get to our place of employment and someone says, you know what, Steve, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you have this faith? What gives you this hope? You're, you're able to give the answer. Uh, for, for why you believe it. And maybe back it up. When, when you're in high school, when someone's having a discussion about something that, what is God's view of this? or there, Someone's bashing God or something from his word. If you're prayerfully prepared, then you're going to be able to relax and to give the answer. And when you're facing temptation, which you will face, uh, you're going to have the strength to flee if you are prayerfully prepared. And the idea, and when do you prepare for something, is before it gets here. Yes, when you're in the middle of a temptation, it's a good idea to start praying. 
right? If I'm, I'm dealing with some kind of temptation, like I'm fighting with my wife and I really want to say something, I had no idea that morning that fight was going to show up. I'm in the middle of it. I better start praying. But when should have I prepared for that? In the morning. And we're going to look at doing that a little bit uh, before that time comes. So we have Jesus preparing himself with prayer. We have the disciples who are not preparing themselves with prayer. Let's see how it turned out. Let's try a little experiment or, you know, kind of see both sides of the, the equation to see how this works out. So we're going to look at the unprepared people first, the unprepared disciples, verses 47 to 50. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who is called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with sword? And one of them, which we know is Peter, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Oops, that was mistake number one. That is not why Jesus had them collect their swords. That was not what he had in mind when he says, you guys need to be physically prepared. Because like I said, he could have taken care of that without anybody else around. But because he wasn't prayerfully prepared, he handled the situation wrong. He should have done just like he said. We're ready to go to the prison with you, Jesus, or we're ready to go to death. So that's mistake number one, because they, he was unprepared. Mistake number two, we, we find in 54 to 62. Having, I guess I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to back up because that actually does with mistake number three. Mistake number two, you find out that in, in Matthew, that all the, they had the disciple dash. You know what, they're, they're shooting for the 100-yard dash. <laughs> it was the disciple dash. The, who could get away the fastest, the quickest? That's, that was who was going to win. That's what all the disciples did. Nobody stayed with Jesus. Why not? Why didn't they stay with Jesus? They were afraid, but they did not prepare prayerfully like Jesus told them to do. So when the situation came, they did not expect, they did not have any idea how to handle it, so they just took off running and left Jesus all by himself to be, put in, to be beat up, to be tortured, to ultimately be put to the death. So the first, that was the first one, was Peter's display of power. I'm going to take the sword, I'm going to whack at somebody. Mistake number one. The second was the disciples' dash of fear. They all took off running. Number three, we're back to Peter, because Peter said, I'm going to follow along and kind of watch how this turns out. 54 to 62. It says, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, which means Jesus. Which means Jesus. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Sounds like a pretty brave fellow. Verse 56, it says, And a certain a servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Why? Why did he do that? He was not prepared prayerfully like he was supposed to be. He was overcome by fear. He was overcome by the trial, the temptation, because he was not prepared. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not, because he was not prepared. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with them, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken, 
how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Strike one was Peter's display of power. Strike two was the disciples all the disciple dash. Strike three was Peter's denial of Jesus. All because they were not prepared. Jesus says, Look, this is you guys need to pray. You don't rely on your own strength. You have no idea what's coming. And they, they said, you know what, I'm tired. I think I can handle this on my own. I'm just going to fall asleep and, and just deal with it when it shows up. And if you are not prayerfully prepared, when you get to work and somebody says, hey, Kathy, hey, Todd, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you have this hope in Jesus for this eternal life? If you are not prayerfully prepared, you are going to stutter and you are going to stumble and you're going to be embarrassed by how you try to give an answer. Uh, I got this book from Darren. It's called The, the Christian Atheist. And it's, I, I meant to bring it because I'd like to give it to somebody to read. I read through it in just a couple of days. It's, he's a very good author. He's got some humor in it. But he's pretty straight about his own experiences and how we need to be living out a Christian faith. And if you haven't heard about the chapter 8, it's about uh, I believe in God, but I don't share my faith. He talks about when he was in Chicago and he was talking about Jesus with some of his friends. And some other guy came up to him and says, I couldn't help it. You're talking about Jesus. Kind of can you share this faith with me? And all of a sudden, this guy's stumbling about what to say. He's thinking, well, something about the four spiritual laws. And he'd gone to Bible school. He knew, because uh, part of Bible school, the worst class you ever take is personal evangelism. And I've told you how hard that is. You're going, you're walking up to strangers, and you're attacking them with the gospel, Right? And he had to do the same kind of thing, so he knew these things. But this guy came and asked him, he started stumbling about, what do I say? And the, the guy finally said, I'm getting off at the next stop here. And uh, he's, this guy still tried, and finally the guy getting off the, the uh, train or the bus said, thanks for trying. He had a golden opportunity. I mean, how many people here have ever had someone walk up to you and say, hey, Jennifer, can you tell me about Jesus? How do I get saved? Has anybody ever experienced something like that? I've never experienced anything like that. How, how, how much easier could it get than that? And this guy says, you know what, I blew it. But I think because he was not prepared. And the time to prepare is before the opportunity comes because you have no idea what is going to come. So if you're unprepared, when someone asks you, you're just going to stutter, you're going to stumble, and you're going to fail. When you're in high school or you're in college and somebody is uh, talking about some uh, topic that relates to God and what does God think, if you're not prepared, you're going to clam up. You're going to keep silent and you're going to act like I didn't hear anything and you're not going to say anything at all. If you're unprepared when you're facing a trial or a temptation, guess what you're going to do? I want someone to tell me, what do you think you're going to do if you're going to face a temptation or a trial but you're not prepared? I mean, uh, even the temptation to sin. You're, you're more than likely going to give in. I'm not going to say every single time you're going to give in, because I know lots of times we face temptations and we, we fail, or we, we're able to succeed. But if we're unprepared, more likely than not, we will give in to that temptation. And we're going to be enduring or carrying this weight of guilt of having done whatever sin that we should not have done because we not, we're not prepared. So that really didn't go well, did it? The disciples, there's 11 of them. They were told how to prepare. They really did not prepare. And so when they were tested, they all went, they all went, fell flat. They all flunked because they were not prepared. The other side, you have Jesus who was prepared. And I know it's easy to say, well, yeah, Jesus is God, and of course he's going to pass everything. 
but it says he was in agony, right? He didn't want to go through this. Um, let's see how he does. Verse 51 to 54, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this, and he healed the guy's ear, and he healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests, the captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Verse 54 says, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. What could Jesus have done? He could have said, get out of here. He, he could have said, uh, you know, just one of the angels up in heaven who want to come down, who are just waiting for Jesus to say, come here. He could have called one of them, and he could have dismissed. They could have, he could have wiped out everybody with just one angel. But he was prayerfully prepared to go through this trial. When the time, the, the time of testing came, he says, okay, I'm ready to go through with this. You know, Jesus is God. But when Jesus came down to this earth, he took the human nature on him. You know, so the God side of Jesus going through this, I think, is like probably no big deal, right? Because he knows how it's all going to turn out. But the human side of Jesus, the side that's going to have to endure all the pain and the ridicule and the betrayal and, and all, the, all the harsh words that people are going to say, is in agony. He knows it's going to hurt, and he's not looking forward to this. And so I, he, he says, I'm going to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. I'm going to be prepared to go through this trial. And so when it came, guess what he did? He succeeded. He was able to endure the trial because he took the proper steps to prepare. Now, if you prepare prayerfully, which sounds like a tongue twister now, if you are prayerfully prepared, when you get to work and they say, hey, Leslie, why do you believe in Jesus? What gives you this confidence and this hope and that you have eternal life. You're going to say, take a deep breath and say, I put my faith in Jesus, and here's what the scripture says. This is why I know that I have eternal life. This is what I am relying on. Uh, the fact that Jesus came down to this earth 2,000 years ago so that I could have eternal life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's me. I have put my faith in him. That's what I'm relying on so that I can have eternal life. You will have the courage and you have the determination to say it. If you're in high school and they're talking about uh, some controversial topic, if you have prepared prayerfully and you know the answer, you're going to be able to raise your hand and say, you know what, I don't agree with this. I, I'm going to pick on Leslie one day when she was in college. Uh, and this is why I, I think of like a college issue, but they were talking about abortion. And how, uh, if I get this correctly, every, one, the teacher I think was all for this. And like one student was all for this, and everybody else just said nothing. Because everybody is scared to death, right? If you go into a crowded place and start talking about something you think is controversial, it is scary. Well, Leslie's like, and guess what she said? You know what? I think abortion is not correct. And she went on, and then guess what? A couple other kids said, you know what? I agree with that. But they needed somebody who had the, the, the gall, the, the ability to stick up their hand and say, you know what, I don't agree with what you're saying. If you're prayerfully prepared, when you find yourself in that situation, you're going to be that person who says, you know what, I'm going to stand up for what's right, even if nobody else agrees with it. And when you're facing any kind of temptation, if you're prayerfully prepared, when that temptation comes, you're not going to be looking around saying, who's watching? Hey, can I really get away with this? You're going to be saying, where's the exit door, right? Where's this way that God's provided out of this? And I'm going to flee. I'm going to run like the wind faster than the disciples dash 
to get out of here. If you are prayerfully prepared to face the temptation that's going to come your way. It is not a secret. And you guys all know this. You guys have read stories of other people who have faced trials and temptations. You know that if you're part of the family of God, you're going to face trials. You're going to face temptations. I do, I do not want what happened to Peter happen to me. And I do not want what happened to Peter happen to you. Peter was caught off guard. Peter was relying on himself. Peter thought he was going to be able to handle it on his own. So if we prepare prayerfully before the temptation comes, we have a much better chance of survival, of conquering this, because we are not relying on our own strength. We're relying on God's. So here's some examples of how to do this. Everybody goes to sleep, right? Everybody wakes up, and before your feet hits the bed, I'm sure you have a thought in your head about, oh, man, it's the morning. i got to get up, unless you're just a morning person. Before your little cold feet or warm feet hit that cold floor, why don't you say, you know what, God? I I'm looking for your help to get through today. I have no idea what is coming. I, I know temptations are going to come. I'm going to work. I'm going to school. Could you please help me to combat that? Can you help me to be ready to face whatever situation is going to come? Uh, you forget that point. You forget to do that. It comes to mind later. Or if, even if you have done it then, do it again before you leave the house to go to school, before you leave to go to work. Say, God, there's a great big world out there. I do not know what's coming. I know that you know. Please help me to get through that. When that temptation comes, when that trial comes, please help me to handle it correctly. We all have probably difficult people in our lives, whether they're a coworker or whether they're a neighbor or somebody you just happen to see on the street. You're, you, you know you're going to come in contact with this person. Before you do, say, God, I do not like so-and-so, or I have a difficult time with so-and-so. Please help me to know what to say. Help me to get through this conversation, through this whatever at work, but I need your help. I don't want to rely on my strength. It's not going to matter. The time to prepare is when? Now, right? Because from this point on, it's the start of the rest of your day. I, I don't think anybody here is going to get up and start fighting with each other. I don't think when you go out the door, you're probably going to start fighting with somebody. But you don't know. You might get in a car accident on your way home. You don't know what's going to happen. We need to make sure we prepare now prayerfully and say, God, whatever it is, help me to be able to handle it. You don't know what you're going to face. But God knows what you're going to face, and he's going to help you through it if you will just ask him. So I challenge you, and I encourage you, like I have to be reminded myself to make sure and pray that God will help me to survive the temptation and the trial that I'm going to face, and I need to do it before it comes. So let's pray and ask God to help each of us to face those things the correct way when the time comes. Dear God, I thank you that you are such a great God, that you can look at this whole world all at one time, and you know what we're going to face, and you know where the temptations lie and where the trials are, and you know how to help us to resist those, help us to flee those, help us to deal with those when we're in the middle of, midst of them. So God, I pray for each person in this room, 